0: If you're interested in building, being part of something new, we do have Division One facilities. We do have a lot of great traditions within our program. We have a lot of things going for us where we can become a force in Division Three.
1: That was Hartford Head Coach Ryan Martin. He's the guest this week on the Chasing the Goal Podcast. Welcome to New England Lacrosse Journal's Chasing the Goal Podcast. Your destination for all things lacrosse. I'm your host, Kyle Devitt. Alongside me, the man, the myth, the legend, Jack Piatelli. What's going on, man?
2: Things are good. Unfortunately, winter's very close. It's getting dark early now. It's not not fun to leave the house at 4.30 and the sun's coming down, hitting the road. Uh, really hard to drive at night these days. <laughs> when you get older, it's tough to see, I'll tell you. I'll be honest. <laughs> That's
1: how I knew I was getting older. I was like, I was like, oh man, I don't want to drive home late. And they're like, "What?" I just send it yeah. to my family, and they're like,
2: "What?" And I was like, "Nothing. Never mind." I was watching the football game over the weekend. And it's like, "Game's over," and looking outside, I felt like it was like ten o'clock at night. It was only five thirty. I'm like, "What's going on here?" Welcome to Daylight Savings Time and Science, but let's get to our guests.
1: Hartford head coach Ryan Martin, Coach, how we doing? Doing well. Appreciate you having me on. I think you have a, you're in a very unique situation. I don't think there's really any other programs that have gone through what you've gone through pre post all of that COVID and then also changing divisions from Hartford being a division one school, transitioning into division three. Can you just kind of talk to me a little bit about the how that first went down, your first inkling meeting and kind of how that came about? Yeah,
0: I mean it's yeah, it could I'll try to wise it as best I can. It's it's been a challenging last couple of years for sure. But I mean, in terms of the actual transition from D1 to D3, that story was kind of leaked. In the spring of 2021, we were getting ready to uh, go on a road trip to play Binghamton. We were playing a seven, uh, nine game conference schedule that year only. So we're getting ready for Binghamton and that kind of came out and I had to address my team and tell them about it. I, I didn't know anything about that that transition, that it was going to happen. Maybe a rumor or two here or there, but never anything that we thought was real. And so that's when we first heard about it. We went up, we played Binghamton, we played NJIT the following week. I had a couple wins and got some momentum going. And then of course, our team had its first experience with COVID, unfortunately, at the end of 2021. So we weren't able to play our final two games. And that are so season two ends to two years in a row for us. And then right after the season, the announcement was made and it was made pretty quick. An email was sent out and that was kind of that. To go into the summer and, and obviously that's when guys started to transfer and look at other options.
1: Well, luckily you have a very vast and storied history in Division Three, play, playing in Ithaca and then going on to coach at several D three luminaries, how do you think that best prepared you for the eventual outcome that you're facing right now?
0: I mean, I've always had a, a tremendous. Obviously, I played Division three, and I think like any got high level kind of D three guys, you have that kind of chip on your shoulder, right? You you, you scrimmage some D ones, maybe you didn't get recruited by some D ones, but you know the teams I played on at Ithaca and Nazareth that I coached were man, we had a lot of D1 guys on on those rosters and guys that went on to play pro lacrosse and that sort of thing. So I think that's the biggest thing. Always had a lot of respect for division three lacrosse. No, it can be great. I I tell recruits a lot. Actually, we had RIT practice here this day before the championship game. And it was like, oh man, these guys, and obviously Jake Coon, the job he's done up there, all that guy does is win, but they're a division one program in terms of the level of play. So I, I, I embrace division three. I, I know it can be great, but at the same time, it's very different. And I think one of the big differences is that, that calendar, that playing season. And we can be with our guys 16 days in the fall, whereas in division one, it was, it's night and day. And so uh, that, that that's kind of a big difference, but yeah, I feel like I'm prepared for it. I feel like Hartford's a place where we can we can develop and, and, and build a, a strong division three program. And and so, yeah, absolutely. My experience is coaching at Nazareth with coach Randall or coach Rostan at Hamden, Sydney, Tom Corey at RPI and being a head coach at Oswego for four years. I, I do feel like has kind of helped me, prepared me for this, this situation that I didn't know I was going to be in, but I'm going to make the most out of it and, and do the best we can to lead us into the next chapter of Hartford
2: lacrosse coach you have a lot of experience recruiting division three and division one players Do you find that recruiting division one players knowing that they can play for your program was a little more challenging than maybe recruiting a division three guy in terms of his ability to play for you
0: yeah I'm not not entirely sure I mean I think it's just a different I think it's challenging in both, right? Recruiting the best Division three guys you possibly can, you're going to be competing with a lot of schools. And the same thing in Division one. I. I think previously, in all honesty, we got some guys that were going to go to Salisbury or they were going to go to RIT or they were going to go to Ithaca, or something like that. But they said, I want to play Division one," And I, I could name a lot of guys that have come through these doors one was a first-line middie at Jacksonville last year. Had three against Duke and four against Richmond and Tyler Kapoor. I mean, nobody recruited him in Division One, And he was just an outstanding player for us here at Hartford. So I, I just give you that example because I think it is similar guys that we're recruiting in a lot of cases. So I, I think they're equally hard. I would say to get the best, best guys you can for your program, you're just competing with a lot of, a lot of different schools, but it's different schools we're competing with now, right? We're not, we're not competing with Salisbury and RIT for recruits. We're competing with Endicott and Western New England and other schools in our conference. And so, you know, that caliber of player is, isn't the same, I would say, but having said that, I think we've brought some, some really good lacrosse players in here this past year that were recruited to play division three knew what they were signing up for. And when we certainly have some guys that are committed on our 23 class that we're really excited about as well.
2: So if you look at the schools that are in your conference that you mentioned Endicott and Western New England, I'm sure they're not happy that you're coming into your conference because now their pool is now smaller in terms of recruiting. The pool is, is greater in division three, but like you said, there's more teams available to play in division a lot more than division one. And I think a lot of parents and and even players don't do the research, don't understand like there's 375 division three programs and there's what 75 division one. So again, not only is the opportunity to play the division one smaller, but it's become a lot more competitive in division three. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think
0: I don't know, Coach Klopaki gave me a big hug and said he was excited that we we're joining the conference and, and 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 Sean Quirk up at Endicott. So I I don't know. I mean, I think hopefully we'll help elevate the level of play. Hopefully we'll be a good competitor in the conference and bring more notoriety to the conference. I and I don't know that. I'm not saying we will, but uh, the the conference has a good tradition and certainly Endicott and Wenick. I mentioned those because. They've won the last 20 Commonwealth Conference championships. And so, you know, what's kind of interesting, I think, for us at Hartford is like we've never been, we've always been an underdog, right? It's, it's really no different when we're in the America East. You talk about Albany, you talk about Stony Brook, you talk about UMBC, you talk about Vermont. When we won the championship in 16, we were the four before my time when coach law inherited the program when they beat stony brook and they had kevin crowley on the program and jordan mcbride and hartford wasn't expected to win that game and and it was actually kind of pretty cool i was i sent out a uh, a thing about jack mcgetrick to our our players the other day i found this article about him that talked about coach mcgetrick coming to hartford and of course he was a part-time coach But 1997, he was the national coach of the year. And in 2000, Hartford went 14-2 and and beat a lot of great programs. But the thing that resonated with me was Coach McGatrick Blackjack wanted to build programs from the ground up. And that's certainly what he did. And that's certainly what Coach Lawrence did here at Hartford. He inherited a program that had two coaches that were here for one year and and really good coaches and Andy Towers and Bill Warder. But I think Coach Law won four or five games in his first four years at Hartford, but in year five, you know, that, that, that team, that, that freshman class that went 0 and 11, they left champions and they played in the NCAA tournament, went up to Cornell and, and played Cornell in the first round in, in 2011. But building something from the ground, being an underdog, having a chip on your shoulder are things that, you know, are, are important to us here at Hartford and, and, and they will remain that way.
2: Coach McKetrick, rest his soul, was a a dear friend of mine and was a great ambassador for the game of lacrosse in the the New England area. I always saw saw him out at clinics, giving his time to teach kids how to play, whether it was a first grader or an 11th grader. I'm always willing to uh, talk to you on the phone and talk lacrosse and talk about his program and coaching, and he certainly has missed. Your message to your recruits now, how is it different than it was when you were a Division One coach. Hmm, yeah, so I
0: think there's a lot of similarities. I think the big thing that that's going to be important for our program to be successful moving forward. So I'm, it, it is similar in a lot of ways. But what I I'm my nine years now being at Hartford Division One, and now we're under Division Three rules currently right now and so we had our 16 practices can't go to lift can't go watch film with the guy in the office can't go do some extra shooting some sniper school with 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 our offensive group or or work with the goalie so i I think that's part of the message is we want guys that are that that want to work hard and put in that work on their own they're self-motivated they they, they, they want to get better every day. They they want to have an impact in the community here at Hartford with community service, they want to do well and so all those things. So, so, so again, a lot of similarities, but what I'm really finding as a coach is I feel a little helpless, I feel like I'm letting down my players a little bit. And that's just because we're following the rules and, and we're, we're, we're adjusting to that division three calendar, which is so different, but when the, I do know I, I believe that guys at at Tufts right now, or RIT, and these these high level Division three programs, those kids are working hard. There's there's a reason they are where they are, and I I think it is because they're putting that that time in. So that that's part of our message, and and and, and kind of what we're looking for in this in the student athletes we're recruiting here to Hartford in this Division three era.
1: Coach, looking at your roster that's that's still available, it's from 2021. It's a little, little old. I know a lot of these players actually moved on to Division yeah. Division One and other Division Two schools as well. How has your approach changed? I know you get a lot of you got a lot of strong Canadian ties. You got guys from upstate New York, obviously from your your time there. How has that been adjusted now to maybe getting more Connecticut guys or guys from the south? Like, how has that changed for you, and how has your approach like differed?
0: I mean, first off, I would say we don't have one Division One player left in our play. And so, again, you go COVID 2020, we don't have a season or we have a six-game season that gets canceled. In 2021, we don't play non-conference games. We play a seven-game season. A lot of sophomores at the time were like, coach, I want to get on the portal. I, I didn't have the best for my senior year, we're not in a conference. I can't win a championship. That was a big part of the reason I wanted to come to Hartford and 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 try to leave with a ring like the like the guys did around the sixteen and eleven and, and and those times. So so those guys moved on. And again, it was bittersweet. It's it's oh man. I it was just down in New Jersey yesterday, and I see these families, and they're we miss Hartford so much. Or, we miss this, and and I think they're happy where where they are, but they 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 miss what they they had and they experienced here but we're really happy to see our guys go on and have that great success and and that there's a lot of them that are just doing big things and, and when you mentioned the canadian i'm thinking of ethan landy who who had 75 goals led division two in, in scoring last year for us was was it was a sophomore and so that's Canadians, that's that's not something we're spending a lot of time going after recruiting right now with the cost of our school and and the distance and that sort of thing. um, We've always really tried to go after the Northeast, right? We want we want kids that are used to playing high level across cold weather, but they can get here. They can come up and visit. Their families can be a p- big part of the experience. They can come to games, tailgates, that sort of thing. We like those kids from Eastern Mass or even a couple like myself from Western Mass, one or two of those guys, but Connecticut, New Hampshire, Long Island, upstate New York. So New Jersey and Philly. I think our initial thinking, Coach Santa and myself, who's my my full, full-time assistant who played here was one of my, the best captains I ever coached. We thought, hey, we got to recruit with even closer proximity in the Northeast, right? Because to your point, jack there's so many schools right there's what how many division ones in connecticut i yale sacred heart quinnipiac us fairfield well now i mean i think there's probably 25 d3s in connecticut and there's certainly over 50 in massachusetts so we're trying to recruit with even closer proximity knowing that those kids from upstate new york got to pass all these schools to come to hartford I think that's changed a little bit because actually we've had some success. We're getting some kids from upstate New York. We're getting some kids from New Jersey. Two of our best freshmen came in from New Jersey this past year. So sorry, long winded answer, but the Northeast, New England, New Jersey, New York is, is where we've always focused. And we're going to continue to focus if we can get a, find a great player who has a connection to Hartford from, from, and we have two freshmen from California on our roster right now, I should say. So, but we're really, really emphasize our time is in that Northeast.
1: I will say I'm involved in picking all Americans for division two. And Ethan Landy Moore is definitely going to be on the list. Like that. I can't, it's not public yet. I can't tell you where he's yeah. going to fall, but <laughs> he's definitely going to be on there. We're he's awesome. an incredible goal scorer. I think, I believe he led division two in goals per game. So, I mean, that's a guy, that's just a pure, pure goal score. You actually fall in a line of lineage on the podcast of goalies that are head coaches, which I feel like every time we find one, I'm like, we found another one and it's, it's kind of a rarity, right? Like each goalie coach that coach that what that grew up playing goalie that we interview has a very unique experience in, becoming a coach right because you have to learn and relearn different things that maybe you didn't get as a player right like you're you're advancing through you see the defense you see the offense trying to score on you so you can kind of negatively game plan for that but you actually go through the process of learning it identifying the talent and then putting that out and I think it kind of gives you an advantage because you almost start from a completely different perspective what 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 is your take on that
0: yeah I I've never really th- quite thought about it like that I feel like man I'm trying to think now you got me thinking about uh where the, I'm not the only goalie coach and am I I mean obviously I mentioned Jay Kuhn four-time All-American at Nazareth and God, that guy I think he's won the championship every year he's been at RIT which yeah. is pretty incredible to think and I'm, I'm talking about conference championships obviously but yeah I I mean, I actually didn't start out as a goalie. I played defense until I was my sophomore year in high school and it just kind of worked out. Our goalie moved out of town. My dad was a goalie and all American and is in the Midwestern hall of fame and that sort of thing played out at Denison back in the day. So I I think playing goalie, you just, I have a a good sense of, of what I'm looking for in defenders and the communication process and. And I, I think it helps you evaluate offensive talent. But I, I, I think you kind of stumped me on that one. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not really sure.
1: Well, we can uh, name some of the other guys we've, we've had on. We, we've had yeah. Mike Horowitz from Colorado College, also a goalie. Yep. Uh, Alex Smith from St. Michael's College, also a goalie. And also Kobe head coach, Guy Van Arstel.
0: Haggerty's exact the Hags the is a goalie.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it was more than I thought. I mean, T- John Tillman's a goal was a goalie. Like there's a, there are more, and I'm always fascinated because I think Jack and I, are, we're both, I mean, I grew up playing defense until college where I was turned into an attackman because I went to Clark and, and people couldn't catch the ball, which Jack loves to remind me of. We grew up playing off, like we have both sides of that, but we were never goalie. I would never be a goalie. We, we joke all the time, like off mic. We're like, oh, well, you'd have to like pay me money to be a goalie. <laughs> that sounds like the worst job in lacrosse. Like that doesn't sound fun. Right. Mike. My-
2: no my my parents wouldn't allow me to be a goalie. I wanted to go I wanted to jump in goal, they said no, no there's no way you're gonna play goal yeah. yeah i
1: I just think it's such a a fascinating thing like it would be the same thing if if you were a face off guy right like it's just kind of an uncommon thing, but now I think it's growing because again, my theory on it, and that's kind of really what I want to get your your take on is my theory is that you have such a different perspective that you can have success in a totally different way by seeing both sides like seeing the field at a different angle. So like when when we watch lacrosse, we watch from the side, right? Mm. When you played and maybe when you watch, I don't know, you were in the net. So you saw it from the totally other side and even playing lacrosse, you don't think about top down unless, you know, you're you're in that position. But you're always looking at it like from the side, you're evaluating side to side instead of straight down. And I think that's that's like one of those weird things that I think can really help you out.
0: Yeah, no, I I like that. I mean,
1: in all honesty,
0: when I play now, you you it's going to be hard pressed to catch me in the goal. Uh, <laughs> you're a I smart don't man. See, track the ball particularly well anymore. So uh, I'm I'm in the field as much as I possibly can be. But yeah, no, it is a unique perspective, and and being in that that position inside the cage. I, I, yeah, like you said, I mean, I just think it gives you a a different perspective on things. And again, you just, that's why I'm really, I'm really tough on my goalies in terms of my expectations with the communication, because it is unique. It's like, you're not covering anybody. You're not, you're just sitting in this comfortable little position inside the crease where you really have the ability to tell that defender exactly where he is on the field. You can see things happen before they do when that ball leaves that that feeder stick i mean when we want a loud check call right as the ball is coming out of the stick not as the guy's about to catch it and so i think that um that that different perspective of of being in there i think is, uh, is beneficial most definitely
3: new england lacrosse journals chasing the goal will return after this message dedication skills focus and the drive to play at the highest level Massachusetts is committed to providing the coaching and curriculum that will allow boys and girls to learn and grow as individuals and as teammates. With an emphasis on skill development and academic excellence, their players have led the country in college recruiting for the past 10 years. With over 800-plus players moving on to play in college and over 130-plus high school All-Americans, Massachusetts has been able to set the nationwide standard unmatched in the sport of lacrosse. To learn more, log on to Lassachusetts.com. That's blacksachusets.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Kyle, did I ever tell you that I played
2: professional box lacrosse for the Boston Blazers back in the late 80s and early 90s? You know what, Jack? I don't think it's ever come up. Well, I did, and it totally transformed my game. And I only wish I had started playing box lacrosse early in my career. The fast pace of the game and the confined space of the box forced me to develop a new set of skills that made me a better field lacrosse player. This is why Piatelli Lacrosse is launching the Piatelli Stallions box lacrosse program, and we will be holding tryouts on November 13th for youth players and November 16th for high school players at Four Kicks in Marlboro, Mass. Starting this fall, players will participate in box lacrosse training sessions, scrimmages, and compete in box tournaments over the winter. Our coaching staff is comprised of box lacrosse legends like Bruce Chanichuk, Peter Schmitz, Dave Desco, and John Piatelli. Who was just drafted by the albany firewolves of the national lacrosse league of course i will be there too for more information of the
3: stallions box lacrosse program visit pietelli looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on new england lacrosse new england lacrosse journal and laxjournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the new england lacrosse scene have every issue of New England Lacrosse Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to laxjournal.com to receive daily digital lacrosse coverage on club lacrosse, college commits, prep and high school, division one, two, and three colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by logging on to laxjournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Lacrosse Journal is a Siemens media publication. Siemens media. Inspiring, informative, insightful.
2: Coach, we talk about multi sport athletes and the advantage of being a multi sport athlete if you want to be a competitive athlete in college, regardless of what sport you play. You had mentioned that you played out of the goal before you played goal. Would you say that? that is an advantage for a goaltender to play outside the goal before he decided to play goal.
0: I think so. I mean, and again, I, I think everybody has their different goalies they're looking for, like Doc Schneider, right? Another goalie coach. I I always kind of noticed he recruited a lot and some great goalies, but they were very similar style to kind of how he played. And I I always kind of and naturally. I kind of, I mean, I recruit the best goalies I can get, but when I played, again, I was a a good stopper, but where I maybe excelled and some other things was clearing, was picking up a ground ball outside of the crease, the communication piece, doing some things outside of the goal. So that's something I love in a goalie, a goalie that can steal a couple shot backups a game, they can pick up a, a ground ball or two and clean that up, can sometimes clear it himself and leg it out when things break down. So I I think, obviously, playing outside of the goal, playing some midfield, playing some defense is going to help you in that regard. I'm a big on the goalies, having trying to have one of the best sticks on the team. So I absolutely do think playing other sports. And I think the other piece, and we'll do it sometimes, obviously with our guys, we play basketball, right? We're going to work on pick play and talking through picks, right? I, I, I bet that's kind of a... Uh, a reoccurring theme, right? Coaches are, we got to get better at communicating, right? And that's what we say to our 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 guys is the, the best defenses, the best teams on offense, they communicate at a high level. And and with kids, there, there's just the, the way culture is going is there's less of that, right? You can communicate through text. You can communicate through Instagram and what you post and that sort of thing. And kids aren't quite as comfortable for the most part calling out that pick and 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 demanding his teammate gets underneath of it or over the top or we're gonna switch it or we're gonna double this here like i love that in terms of on defense teams that are loud but they communicate really effectively man that's like one of my favorite parts of sports and and the game so i think when you're playing different sports you played hockey you played basketball or you played this you're naturally gonna have a better sports iq but, but but realistically also maybe be a better communicator on the field.
2: You had mentioned goaltenders coming up with a couple of ground balls and backing up shots a couple of times in the game, and that's four possessions right there, and that could be a, a difference maker in a in a game. In most games, it's, it comes down to a couple of ground balls, a couple of saves. In terms of what you look for when you're recruiting a goaltender, what skill sets exactly are you looking for? Is it his athleticism, stopping the ball? And, and what kind of techniques do you like your goaltenders to have? Do you like them to come out and challenge a shooter? you like them to sit back in the goal? What style did you play, and, and do you teach what you played? Yeah, that's
0: that's a great question. I mean, I think probably to a fault at at some points in my career, and I think I've gotten better at this, was I tried to uh, teach goalies to play the way I played or the way I thought you had to play, right? And and, and I think as I've, I've hopefully matured a little bit is you realize everybody's different, right? And I think that's, again, a cool thing about lacrosse. And I think about all the positions, but you think about some of the best goalies to ever play and it's like Sal Lacascio, right? He's like around round, he, he, a bigger guy, right? Whereas like the kid from Maryland this past year, not really big. Some coaches, they just recruit six, five goalies. They want guys that eat, eat up the cage. The kid and his name, I think it was Mack McEnany from Maryland. I might be getting that wrong. L- Logan bit. McEnany. Yes. Well, yeah. It's amazing. Like what, what a chill, like save Maryland's bacon on, on, on the, in the championship game. The best team maybe ever. Um, he was just tremendous and, and again, not a big guy. So that's kind of what I'm trying to say first is there's different ways to skin a cat. And, and I tried to kind of adjust to that and know that some guys are, are good at playing a higher arc and, and, and taking away angle. And that's something that was not what, not something I taught. I was like, sit back in the goal, shallow arc, give yourself more time. Take have, be, have play better angles and better positioning when you're getting piped to pipe. Of course, when you play that higher arc, it's like you're 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 and you got to get piped a pipe. You're you're giving up a lot of cage. And so, but so I've adjusted my 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 game there because I'm looking for the best goalies that we can get that are good stoppers that hopefully outlet the ball well. Obviously, got it done in the classroom and those sort of things. But that leadership piece, that character piece, I think. You're always looking for that. It do they have it right? I, I think some coaches believe. I believe in that. I've had goalies that, man, they step up. They rise up when their team needs them the most, right? And there's some. Not everybody has that. You know what I mean? When the when the the the, the bright lights are on, you got to have that ability to to really step up in those situations. And so that's ultimately what I'm 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 looking for in a goalie
2: as well. You mentioned your recruits now are you're looking for players that are committed self motivators when you talk about the goalie position, not only do they have to be self motivators but they have to be mentally tough right
0: that's a huge point i <laughs> like i mean i think that's that's a big one right is you need you need goalies that i play i was an intense competitor i i, I do like intensity i I'd, I'd say if, you're explaining to me as a, as a coach or what's your style. I, I would say I'm, I'm kind of intense on the field. I mean, I think our guys like that fun. We work hard, but man, I feel like when you're between the lines and you're outside of practice, the classes and like, we want to have fun, but man, we want to play hard and we want to play full speed. We're not going to be out there forever. Uh, you want but- your men, you want your
2: men to play angry. You want them to play angry. Yeah. We want to play that's angry. That's Let's go good. boys. Absolutely. <laughs> We want our defenseman to be mean you know? when your goalie doesn't make a save and it goes in. You want him to get upset and you want him to get angry. Let's go, boys. Yeah. But, but to your
0: point, I think it is, I mean, you, you're you going to give up eight, 10, 12 goals a game, right? You yeah. On this day and age. So you got to have thick skin and you got to be ready to make that next play and not turn one mistake into two by dropping your that sort of thing.
1: Well, I've seen coach Martin coach and he's a walker, right? Like yeah. you, you go, you go and let you go as far as that line at the end lets you go past the guys and you're yeah. always coming back. He's always moving like uh, yeah. that's, that's like the, get my steps in. Yeah. That's the intensity that's, that's coming through. <laughs> Speaking of, of which, because I am selfish and I want to steal all the good things that all these coaches have. I always try to ask for like one drill that you love to do to either develop a goalie or develop. Kind of just an overall team drill that you really like to do that maybe not everyone does.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think one and its no, that just kind of comes to mind in terms of my favorite drill. One that we weren't really able to do a ton of this this fall. Again, our roster we have nineteen guys in our roster right now, and and that's with everybody healthy. So it's like you got class schedules and injuries and that sort of thing. So, but a drill I do miss that we do it on a pretty consistent basis at Hartford. And and I don't think they are doing it everywhere. And that's what I hear from some of my guys in terms of the physicality we played with on a, on a daily basis was fan GB. And I'm trying to think who, who brought this to me. This could have been a coach Balkan. It could have been a coach Harrington from it's at Bryant's now. I'm not sure, but basically bring the cage back to the girls crease. They got that fan, that eight meter, and it's a three-on-two ground ball drill. And it's two defenders in there, three offensive players, and we're rolling a ball in. And you're staying in for three balls. And so, I mean, we're fighting for every ground ball. We're not just throwing it to the offense and they're playing a three-on-two. No, it's you got to pick up that ground ball. You got to clear your hands. You got to soak a check or two in a tight space. And we're just trying to move it quickly and, and get a hands-free scoring opportunity from in tight and then being whistle ready on the next ball that's rolling in. So that was a good one. We always we enjoy doing that, starting practice off with, with that type of drill.
1: Oh, yeah, I'll take that. That's a good one. <laughs> I, we, we do the ball behind the cage kind of thing. But, yeah, that's, a, yeah. that's actually good because it's more con- constrained. Talking about getting ready to play, not this coming spring, but the spring after in the Commonwealth Coast. What does your roster look like right now? Like, where where are a lot of your kids coming in from? I, I know we've got a couple guys on our board. I've seen, I've definitely seen Caleb Vasser play, and he's at 23, so I think you're allowed to talk about him because it's after National Signing Day. So I think you're okay to talk about him. Yeah. Um, but yeah. can you just kind of like tell me a little bit more about what your roster is comprised of at the moment?
0: Yeah. No, that's that's a great one. So, like I said, our guys moved on from Division One, we wish them well, and we're starting from the ground up, just just like has been done here before. We brought in 13 freshmen. We brought in three transfers. We have three walk-ons on our team right now. In the 23 class, I think we have 16, 17 guys committed so far. So we're obviously bringing in a big group. That That group knows that it's going to be a big group, and, and that's kind of the deal. Coach Santa and I, we've been working hard, and yeah, we brought in some guys that we're really excited about. A couple guys to mention would be face-off guy from CBA out in Albany, Cam James, had a tremendous fall for us. Did great in our one fall scrimmage, won basically every face-off. Are we got to go two goalies, one out of California, Andrew Leibold and Cole Zaring from New Fairfield, Connecticut? They've been they had great falls for us. Aiden Kemp and uh, John Farino, two offensive players out of New Jersey for us that we're really excited about and did some good things. Um, our transfers are Griffin Weller, um, a Canton, Connecticut native that played his freshman year up at Castleton state. So that's to name a few guys, um, and kind of where they're from again, they're, they kind of fit that Northeast, but a lot of Connecticut, a lot of Massachusetts, some New Jersey in there. And that's kind of what we're seeing with our, our next class coming in a lot of Massachusetts guys, but also New Jersey and New York.
2: Coach, I'm a sophomore in high school, taking a look at. St. Lawrence, taking a look at Endicott, taking a look at Western New England, why should I explore the opportunity to attend Hartford University? What does Hartford University offer me in terms of education, facilities, campus, that will want me to take a look at the University of Hartford?
0: Yeah, no, I love it. Love it. I think first and foremost, we're a university. We got 5,000 students. We're a little bit bigger than some other Division three schools, but it's a still small enough place where you're going to be in small classes. We have 100 majors. You can do engineering here. Just built a $65 million health sciences building. You can do PT. You can do business communications. You can be a teacher here. So endless opportunities from a major perspective. And by the way, when we were in Division I, we had a lot of engineers come through, we physical therapists, the whole nine. That's something we've always done here great location. And this is something I grew up an hour and 15 minutes from here in Amherst, Mass, Hartford, Hartford, like, well, you know what? I've never lived in a nicer area. West Hartford, Connecticut is that's part of the reason I'm still here. My family, my kids, we love the area. We love the community. We're not going anywhere. So it's there. There's a lot to offer in terms of stuff to do, nightlife, restaurants, shops, that sort of thing. And then I just think from a lacrosse perspective, if you're interested in building, being part of something new, building something from the ground up, we do have division one facilities. We do have a lot of great traditions within our program. Guys like Tracy Koloski that came through here and played. A lot of other guys that played in the MLL, had NLL careers and that sort of thing. We have that. And we have, we, we have a great strength and conditioning program. Our Johnson, our strength and conditioning coach came from Yale, where he was there for 12 years and never had a better one. He's phenomenal. So I think we have a lot of things going for us where we can become a force in Division 3. It's not going to happen overnight. And like I said, we're doing it from the ground up. But, but I think we do have some things that a lot of other schools don't. So excited about it. Going to take time. But I, I'm confident we're going to get to where we want to go.
1: Another famous alum, Marty Bowes, friend of the podcast.
0: Yep, Marty Bowes, another one. Walk-on from Quincy Mass, who, I don't know, played for the Cannons for just seven, eight years, something like that.
1: One of our one of our favorite people that we've
0: had yep. on.
2: And, and Jack so, coached him when he played box. Yes, for the Rockhoppers. And now he's the head coach of the new New England uh, Chowderheads. Chowderheads. They didn't spell it the way they should have. <laughs> they
1: should have put the A-H in there. A-H, yeah. Definitely. E-R doesn't seem right. When I read it in my head, I just have to use <laughs> I have to use Jack's accent when I read it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but hey, speaking of Hartford, though, best player to come out of Hartford that I've ever known. He didn't play at Hartford, but he's from Hartford. Do you know who it is? I'm gonna get you so good with this. Do you know who it is?
2: I I know Towers is from Connecticut, but he's not from Hartford. No.
1: Clark University head coach Jeff Cohen.
2: Oh, my God. Got him. He got him. <laughs>
1: Finally got him. Before you could well, say anything about Springfield, I got a Clark thing in, and I made it work. I'm so happy. You don't even know. <laughs> it's only taken you almost two years. Coach, I think what I'm most interested in, too, is, is you and you now have to build a Division Three out-of-conference schedule. There's a ton of CCC teams, obviously, but who are you targeting for your out of conference opponents. Are you going are you going big? Are you trying to get RIT, York, those kind of schools, or are you kind of being in the middle, like maybe a new Mac like, I don't know, a Clark or uh or or a Salve or something like that?
0: Yeah, I I mean to be completely honest, we haven't I haven't even got the the Commonwealth schedule yet <laughs> for 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 twenty four. We're not we're not playing in that this year. So I, I think realistically in that 2024 season, are we going to go after York and RIT and so now, but we, we do want to play. Hopefully we'll get some, a high level NESCAC school that's close by. I mean, I think that's the beautiful thing here at Hartford and going back to kind of the, the sales pitch and, and it remained the same in D1 and D3 is like, we don't have to travel far for games. And I, I guess a lot of schools can say that in D3. Not as many in Division One, but man, there's so many opportunities for us right here. And again, in Division Three, it's even improved. Springfield up the road, Wesley and down the road, Trinity right in town, Coast Guard. I think we're 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 gonna play next year. So man, there there's just and then obviously Boston Tufts, and I mean there's so many. So I think realistically, in that 24, if we play six out of conference games, we're gonna go after a couple big ones. And then a couple that probably are a little bit, make a little bit more sense for that year two of our program.
1: So what is on the docket for this spring? What, what is your, your, are you having competitive games? Are you doing scrimmages? Are you, how are you developing the team to get ready for 24?
0: Right. Yeah, no, that's a, so a little bit different, right? we hand those, our guys kind of our goals or our, our mission for for the season, and it, it it usually included, you know, make the America East tournament, win the conference championship. Obviously, we're not doing that this year. We're not winning the we're not in the Commonwealth. We're not in the America East. We're independent. So we knew that was not happening for us this year, and it was going to be a unique kind of situation. So what we really focused on is like, we're going to have a great year academically. We're going to do a, a make a, a big stride forward with strength and conditioning. We're going to make a huge impact in the community. We're going to focus a ton of time on skill development, right? Everybody does that, but it's like, as I told the guys in the the recruiting pitch when they were seniors in high school, we're not going to be doing a ton of 10-man riding stuff. We're not going to be scheming up a lot of, we just don't have the numbers to do transition all day practice, but we can do a lot of individual skill development and that's what we've been working on. So we played a fall scrimmage against the D2 up north and then we're playing five games this spring against division three opponents um and so oh i think that's a good number for us realistic right you know like right now if we were to play today we have 16 healthy guys that they that, that can play so we're it's going to be tough it's going to be challenging i wanted to make sure these guys have a great experience in this first year and we're realistic. We're not trying to bite off more than we can chew. So, we got 5 games in Division 3 and uh, we're excited about it.
1: Does that count against their eligibility or no? Because it's not enough games, right? That is it does. It w- will count
0: in terms of a year of eligibility for these guys. And so that's that's tough. But at the same time, that's what I feel good about in the process is these guys Knew what they were going to sign up for. So every single player that's in our program, we sat with last year and we're like, look, we're not, it's going to be tough. We're not in a conference, can't win a championship, not playing a full schedule, not doing this, not blah, blah. The good part is, though, is when you're going to need you to play, <laughs> we're going to need you to lead. We're going you're still, our school hasn't changed. We still have these great majors. We still have this great location. We still have these facilities. The strength and conditioning program, so that's where I feel good about it. These guys knew what they were signing up for, and and it this year it's got some some negative pieces to it, but for the long run, these guys are going to be the on the forefront of, of 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 building something new and help it
2: helping us kind of get to where where we want to go. Coach Martin, you grew up in Amherst, and obviously I, I would imagine your dad was an influence on you getting started being an all American at Denison. And- how did you get started in, in lacrosse and like, was there lacrosse and Amherst mass youth programs when you were a kid?
0: Yeah. Love it. hometown, super passionate about that area. My mom worked at UMass for 30 some odd years in the health services. So I grew up on that campus and uh, that, that was maybe one of the coolest parts to my development or just. Love for the game, right? Is I was going over to Boyden Hill when I was in third grade and I was watching UMass play Notre Dame. I was coming out, or they're playing Dark on on a T or Heart, whatever. But I got to see these guys like Mark Millen, Jimmy McAlevey, Tommy Carmine, Mario Lopez, who's an Amherst, Mass native, play. And, and, and so that, that, that always, that program, I mean, that coach Canella. And the goose and like UMass lacrosse and that tradition, man, that's, that's a big part of kind of, even though I never coached there, never played, it has a real special place in my heart because that's where I really, I want to play college lacrosse. I don't know where or how or when, but that's what I want to do. And so that was a big piece of it. I could start playing lacrosse in seventh grade on a team in Amherst. I played baseball growing up as well. And we had some really good, proud of Amherst. Back then. we sent a, a handful of kids to UMass. We sent some 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 kids other places, but there's no doubt about it. We were we were guys that were were football players, were hockey players, and it was we <laughs> it was a physical physical group. We didn't we didn't mesh well with some of the private schools that we used to have the opportunity to play back in the day,
1: Coach. I love coaching public school, so I'm with you. It's, my, it's one of my favorite things, public school grit. I love it. That is all the time we have, but I just want to thank you for coming on. Great job, man. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. pumped. B- Balkans set me up. He was like, he's the man, dude. Just let him go.
0: I'm like, all right, great. Balkan's. Balkan's the man. He was one of the um, hardest working assistants I've ever had. Great, great person, great human, and he's doing really well. So I'm super happy for him and his growing family but uh, thank you very much for having me on guys appreciate what you do and we'll be seeing you out there
1: great job coach
2: nice talking with you thanks guys
1: thanks again for listening to new England the cross journals chase the goal podcast for jack pietelli i'm kyle devitt see you next time